Coming up on Tech News Today, YouTube gets more TV-like, Toyota gets a little more Ford-like, Zoom is not Apple-like enough, and new tech news. All that and more coming up. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Wednesday, April 6, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com slash TNT. And by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package at FreshBooks.com. Welcome to Tech News Today. I'm Tom Merritt. I'm Sarah Lane. I'm Maya Zaktar. And I'm Jason Howell. And this is the show we kick around the tech news of the day and try to make me feel better. Feel better, feel better Tom. Tom. Uh, no, you know what? Leo sent me home. I was I came in early. We did an early uh, episode of Triangulation because of the time difference with the UK. We had Corey Doctor on. It was a great conversation. But halfway through, he he went and got me water because my because I was coughing so much. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, he's like, "You you you don't look good. You should go home." Well, if it makes you feel any better, you sound fine, and we're Thank pretty you. sure that you are just home, you know, getting a pedicure, but uh, thanks for Skyping in. And I am show. getting a pedicure right now. Yeah, off camera. Just off camera. My dog. Exactly. Is a, is a very good at that sort <laughs> Nice of going, Sawyer. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's Django. Oh. Uh, but anyway, there is tech news that we should talk about. Sure Toyota is. and Microsoft had a uh, press conference today and announced the first incarnation of a partnership that they will uh, that they will pursue uh, to develop and deploy smart grid technology for running electric systems more efficiently on Microsoft's cloud-based Azure technology. If that doesn't make any sense to you, put it this way. Uh, the first incarnation of the service will show up next year on hybrids and plug-in electric cars. Examples uh, that Steve Ballmer gave were uh, car owners being able to use their PC to turn on the heat. Uh, or air conditioning while the car is charging. So if you know you want to get it running before you head out there, uh, you can do that. You can use a smartphone to remotely check maintenance information. Uh, it's it has to do with the GPS and the telematics in the car. It's interesting too that um, Toyota. This is just going to apply at least right now to Toyota's hybrid and electric line of vehicles. And when someone asked Steve Bomber about this at the um, at the conference, he said. Uh, we're, we're continuing to invest in the automotive industry and our commitment to power the services that are important to consumers, which kind of makes me think, hmm, you know, they're, I mean, they're looking forward. They, they certainly think that hybrids and electric vehicles are going to do well in the future or else, you know, they wouldn't be investing so much time and energy into just these particular models. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier and thinking, what else could they do with this whole cloud computing thing? And maybe... They could upgrade firmwares for things like power management on an electric or a hybrid, which makes more sense if you think about it versus a regular uh, fueled car. Uh, also, if you look at the numbers, they're only Microsoft's only investing twelve million dollars 
that's not exactly a huge chunk of change for this company. So I think it's like it's a nice little move, but it's really not such a huge investment. Twelve million bucks for Microsoft's like a drop in the hat. Yeah, I mean, does twelve million sound like let's experiment and see if this even is worth a real investment, and let's experiment on you know our hybrid line. On Toyota with Azure. I mean, it is. I mean, Toyota has the you know the biggest hybrid line with Prius. That's true. Camrys too. Um, I what I want to know is. What happens when um, this onboard software needs to be updated? There's a problem with it, or there's a better version that comes out. How do we all? Yeah, how do we all well, upgrade? Yeah, the, usually you do that with a USB drive, uh, but there there is a possibility that this they're talking about you could do this over the air. That they will have uh, Wi-Fi in these cars, and you'd be able to do an over the air update. Makes me want to be sure they have good security there. I don't want somebody flashing the firmware of my car without my knowledge. Well, that's right. You, um, can, you can root your car, right? That's always good. And uh, different yeah. line, different years will get them at different times. It'll be just like Windows Phone 7 getting their updates whenever. Because it's electric management, does this mean that Microsoft will allow me to open and close Windows? Oh, no. Uh, ah, okay, that, that ends that, that wow, conversation. Wow, you really are sick. Dish yeah, Network cool. has purchased <laughs> bankrupt Blockbuster Inc. Uh, at a garage sale. For five dollars, uh, and they also got a used Pearl necklace made out of paste. Uh, no, Blockbuster uh, they paid three hundred twenty million dollars. Dish says it will continue to operate the video rental chain and plans to use Blockbuster seventeen hundred locations to help market its satellite TV service. Dish beat out bidders, including Carl Icahn. The Wall Street Journal has a detailed blow by blow if you want to take a look at it. But uh, it, yeah, so Blockbuster found a buyer. Dish found a bunch of buildings that they can sell their satellite TV service from, but does this do anything to stop Blockbuster's slide? Um, what right now? Where do you go to look at a Dish uh, system to see if you want to buy it? Is there any physical Radio store? Shack. You go to Radio Shack. Okay, so this gives them, um, you know, they get them in front of physically in front of more folks. Uh, and blockbusters are still in many neighborhoods. I mean, many have shut down. But I mean, there's a blockbuster right down the street from me. I guess that's better than nothing. I, I mean, I just figured that those stores would go away and something else would open in their place. So it's like they're still going to be selling movies, but there'll be fewer of the movies on the shelves because they have to, they're not going to make the stores any bigger and they have to make some room for their dish displays as well. Well, if you think of the blockbuster clientele, these are people going to a video store to rent a movie. I mean, maybe they're thinking the same clients are always about cable, you know, traditional kind of older uh, technologies. And now they'd be able to see Dish, you know, running on, on this way. What I'm kind of intrigued with is that Blockbuster already has all these VOD services. Mm -hmm. And to see that integrated with more maybe Dish DVRs or Dish satellite boxes, maybe there'll be a tighter integration there. Because right now Blockbuster's on a lot of boxes, and maybe people will give it more of a chance now that it's on their Dish uh, satellite box. Yeah, Dish, uh, Dish was... Uh Bought by Echostar uh, and was owned by Echostar until 2008. Echostar owns Sling and still maintains the satellites for Dish. So you could see a situation where a Dish PVR, DVR, would have Slingbox and Blockbuster Video On Demand built in. But is that really a huge, you know, Slingbox is kind of cool to add in there. But is it cool to add then add in Blockbuster Video On Demand? Wouldn't I rather have Netflix? Well, Netflix is on everything already, but it probably will help the Blockbuster brand a bit considering... You know, everyone's like, oh, Netflix is everywhere. Why would I ever bother with Blockbuster? But now that if you're a Dish subscriber, you might be more, maybe there'll be discounts. Maybe there'll be better deals that you can get for Blockbuster. It might actually help them out a bit. 
Uh, I don't know if you're going to pick one over the other. Personally, I wouldn't because I'm a wow. Netflix fan. Dish also bought Blockbuster at a bankruptcy auction. You know, to yeah. make a deal with Netflix might cost a lot more than $320 million. Very so. true. Uh, Motorola Zoom numbers are in. Uh, estimates are that, according to Deutsche Bank, uh, that the Zoom has sold 100,000 units. It arrived at this estimate by checking the Android developer website, tallying the number of devices using three Android 3.0 Honeycomb, uh, because most of those are probably coming from Zoom. So they weighted that number a bit. That's pretty much in line with estimates. 50,000 units in the company's first quarter and 150,000 in its second is what, what they were estimating. Uh, however, everybody's reporting this as a failure because when the iPad first came out, they sold 300,000 in the first day. They, they probably have sold 300,000 in the first weekend of iPad 2. Uh, and, and there's a report out right now, Apple Insider, saying that suppliers delivered 2.4 million to 2.6 million iPad 2 units to Apple in March. Uh, iPad, far outselling the Motorola Zoom, but it's also not unexpected. Yeah, I mean, that was what, it's very easy to say. I mean, look at the... Look at the iPad 2 numbers uh, compared with the Zoom numbers. The Zoom, nobody wants it. But, I mean, if that's what was predicted, that the Zoom would sell and it's meeting expectations, I mean, this is the first honeycomb tablet. You know, it's. I mean, I guess it's a little indicative that maybe more people don't care about Flash as much as, as some folks uh, were saying that they would. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean... This is also, you know, one of the first tablets. It's going to be uh, one of so many yeah, I wonder, coming out this year. I wonder if the way Apple sells their, their iPad changes anything. I mean, they have their Apple stores. If you go to a Best Buy, they have their own Apple section. And it has a very unique experience versus the Motorola Zoom, which is in Best Buy, but kind of with the phones. And, it's, you know, we go to Verizon stores kind of right there. So maybe people are just, like, looking at the Verizon store. They're like, oh, look, there's a Samsung Galaxy Tab, and there's this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and like you were saying, the whole Flash issue Maybe the only people they cared about was people like us. I mean, this is you know right. normal people out there going buying yeah. tablets. And the Zoom had a really high price. It only came in 32 gigabytes. They didn't have any like low price point, 4.99 Wi-Fi only when they started. Plus, we, I think we kind of trashed it by saying, look, there's no reason to get it yet. It doesn't have flash, and you have to send it back for an upgrade for the 4G antenna. So like there was a lot of negative things going for the Zoom when it came out. This is also, I mean, kind of the way that Android goes anyway. It's like Android versus iOS. iOS is just the one phone. Android has many phones, mm -hmm. and it's in the number one spot. So this is kind of like the tablet market just starting out to, to achieve the same results. Zoom is just one of many Android tablets that will eventually possibly take over iPad numbers. And on a uh, side note, Samsung has uh, cut the price of the Galaxy Tab to $200 on uh, Verizon and Sprint. So if you're looking for the smaller tablet, uh, they're, they're trying to clear out that inventory before they, they move in with the new versions of the Galaxy Tab. Yep. Let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Squarespace at squarespace.com. It is, as we always say, the fast and easy way to start a website. If you or your family members or maybe, maybe uh, you're, you're doing a wedding, you're doing an event, uh, you you want to create a hub for something, uh, but you want it to be reliable. You want it to look good, and you want it to, to hold up to a bunch of people using it at once. There's nothing better than Squarespace. It's easy to use. The UI is so so easy to grasp, and you you, you throw your uh, your your design in there. They have these award-winning designs that you can choose from, and then you can tweak them a little. You know, a little CSS, you can get under there and do that, but you don't have to know anything uh, to make it look really good. They have widgets for things like Twitter, like Flickr, like blog importing. If you're saying, ah, I already got a blog, you can import your blog 
from Blogger, from TypePad, from WordPress, uh, and put it into Squarespace. See what it looks like. See if you can make it look a lot better and have it be a lot more reliable. They've got some serious juice behind Squarespace.com to keep your website up and keep it running without crashes. Uh, it's all about peace of mind. Try it out for 14 days for free. You don't need a credit card to sign up. Uh, just go to squarespace.com slash TNT and you'll get a 14-day free trial. We thank them for their support of Tech News Today. Google's getting a little more television-like. They're, uh, according to a report in the Wall Street Journal, they're going to revamp the, the website with YouTube channels. They'll spend up to $100 million for original content and add 20 or so premium channels. Changes will be phased in over the next year. This is, uh, I guess, what they're doing with Next New Networks. Yeah, I mean, they bought Next New Networks, which for anybody not familiar with that company, ha is sort of an umbrella over uh, several uh, um, popular shows, independently produced. Um, and uh, YouTube bought Next New Networks, and now they're talking about, okay, well, YouTube is all about viral vid videos. You know, anybody, I as me, Jason, Tom, we can all just upload whatever we want. We all have our own channels. So there's so much content that they have going on. Uh, search has become really weird within YouTube. Anytime, you, you know, you search for anything, there's so much content that it's just, it, the volume itself is somewhat unmanageable. And now they're talking about um, producing original content and, and not that they shouldn't still uh, put a lot of effort into the viral video and everybody can participate kind of um, approach, but they can... Um, they can start categorizing things. You know, Twit might be under the broad YouTube tech category, for example, or Ayaz might uh, have his own Ayaz suggests a tech channel type of thing. And I, if I respected him and I felt that he was a good tech influencer, which I do, which I do, he's shaking his head, I do. <laughs> I could subscribe to his channel kind of thing. So I think that YouTube is being really smart in this way where they're, they're, it's like they're taking themselves a little bit more seriously. Like, hey, we're, we're for everybody. I mean, we're still going to provide the service that we always have. But it's not just a bunch of crappy videos kind of thing. Because I think too many people don't associate YouTube with high-quality original content. It's like rival a television. ton of great points there. I mean, there's so many different things on YouTube. It's very hard to find anything. And to have these curated channels will help out. Because if you're just you know, casually browsing or if you're using something like Google TV, you'll actually have a reason to go, okay, I can go to this channel and watch this. Instead of searching on some kind of keyboard in your lap, uh, on your lap or whatever. Now you can actually find things based on categories, which is a, not a bad idea. Plus, since it's Google or YouTube or, or Next, Next New Networks, whichever company is actually going to be making this content, they're looking for professional stuff. And that makes it you know, a nice destination site to go to, which is interesting since like Hulu was designed to take on YouTube and copyright stuff, and now YouTube is mm -hmm. going to have its own original content. So I, I, I'm actually kind of intrigued to see more and more original professional content. I really like that kind of stuff. I think also uh, YouTube, they started getting their first few, you know, I Justine is a good example of someone who's like, she's popular, she has a ton of subscribers, she's a YouTube star. Mm -hmm. And there were a handful of YouTube stars. Now there are a lot of YouTube stars. And how are you ever going to find out about all of these people unless YouTube does a better job of categorizing them and offering them up to you as a, as, um, a network of channels of people that you will like rather than just, you know, word of mouth. All right, let's move on to uh, bashing Microsoft. 
<laughs> Linux uh, Foundation Chief, uh, uh, Linux Foundation Executive Director uh, Jim Zemlin was was speaking and uh, said, "I think we just don't care about Microsoft anymore. They used to be our big rival, but now it's kind of like kicking a puppy." Hmm. Uh, this is in, quoted in an article in Network World and talking about the fact that. Linux can be found in consumer electronics devices like televisions, like camcorders, like the Amazon Kindle, uh, like the Barnes & Noble Nook, like smartphones and tablets, part of Google's Android. Uh, on the server space, Red Hat has been gaining uh, ground every year, making more and more money, whereas Microsoft has been under criticism anyway for stagnating. Uh, and he, Semlin says Linux has come to dominate almost every category of computing, with the exception of the desktops. I think a lot of us think of Linux, we think, oh yeah, you know, not that many people use Linux on the desktop, and, and so Linux hasn't caught on. But you've likely got a Linux device in your house right now. Yeah, well, Linux devices, well, Linux is free, right? So you can customize it, put it on anything, and that's usually why people like, not people, companies like TiVo go ahead and, and make a very customized version for their actual devices. So to say, hey, look, we're kicking everyone's butt. Well, you're not charging anything. I know Red Hat's doing quite well this way, but don't forget most, most people's normal experience day to day, nine out of 10 desktops are Microsoft Windows. So there are companies out there that are paying tons of money to still use Windows. So mm -hmm. Linux is great and everything, and it's, it's, I think it's really getting, it's finding its footing in Android. Uh, but I really think this is kind of a silly statement. It's, it's kind of like kicking a puppy. Yeah, a puppy that owns 90% of the desktop market. I mean, it's... I know it seems, uh, it seems a little premature to call Microsoft a little puppy that it's not nice to kick because the desktop market is still really prevalent. So the weird thing is they've seen so much market share drop in Internet Explorer mm -hmm. and in phones and everything else. For some reason on the desktop, they have a stranglehold on this. Now, server-side is a whole other issue. But for your, your consumer experience, you're probably looking at Windows. Right. Yeah, and, and, and this, is, this is a little protesting too much in a way, right? It's, it's, I, I think the point is better made not as like, oh, it's like kicking a puppy with Microsoft. Microsoft is doing just fine. You know, there are all kinds of criticisms about the growth of the company and the direction under Balmer, uh, but they are still a very large and very successful company. Uh, and I don't think it helps your case at, at all to bash Microsoft to make the point that, you know, Linux is, is on a great pace uh, and it's being accepted in all areas. And I think that's the better message to get out of this. Uh, Zemlin wanted to grab some headlines, though, and that's, that's what he did. And maybe that's what you need to do uh, to get people talking about this. But I don't think you have to hate Microsoft to love Linux. Uh, yes, I agree. You can love both <laughs> as you're yeah. laughing. <laughs> well, yeah, they can coexist. I mean, there's really no reason for this. I just think this is, I really think it's silly for anybody to be like, well, Microsoft is a puppy. I mean, seriously. They, they're yeah, the they're a big gorilla. dog. Yeah, Jim Zemlin, he, he, he's either a little crazy or he's just trying to get some attention. He's protective. And, you know, we're talking about him, so I guess it worked. Congratulations, Jim. Congratulations. Uh, really interesting article in Ars Technica. This isn't so much like news of the day, uh, but they have a great opinion piece about 3D printing and how it is now coming of age and starting to face the same situations that music videos uh, and, and, and e-books have faced because files are being shared and being traded that allow you, if you have a 3D printer, to print out anything. Uh, Ulrich Schwanitz uh, created a very interesting and very hard-to-make item called a Penrose Triangle. Uh, it's, it's like an optical illusion sort like, of like situation. Like an Escher painting. Yeah. Where it, it shouldn't be, 
He it shouldn't be able like, to make it, but he did. Yeah, he figured out how to make a, make a Penrose triangle. Uh, and then Arthur Chicana figured out how to print the same thing, looking at the pictures uh, that Ulrich had put up, and then published published the instructions to Thingiverse. Now, what's, uh, Thingiverse is uh, what a place for folks to kind of share and collaborate on three D yeah, models. Yeah, a, a lot of people put up their Creative Commons licensed designs, so that you know, the, folks in the three D printing uh, community are very enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very early days sort of feeling, and so folks are swapping things around, like, look what I printed, look how I did it, uh, and they're sharing things. Ulrich Swanitz saw that and decided to send a DMCA takedown notice to Thingiverse. Uh, the, for the first time, a 3D printing file was required to be taken down because of a copyright question. Uh, Swanitz later you know, changed his mind and said he didn't want to do this, but it raised the questions of when we can print anything, which is coming soon, uh, what are the restrictions on how we go about printing that? Do you have the right to print that spare part uh, for for your for your car or for your heater or for the blender that broke, uh, or will you be violating a copyright when you do that? This story is really fascinating. I mean, anybody who doesn't know that much about the 3D printing world should really read this Ars Technica article because my first reaction was, well, wait a second, some guy ripped off another person's uh, piece of art. I mean, he figured out what, it, you know, okay, I think I can make the same 3D model, but he reproduced it, and so the original artist was mad. And I felt, well, he's got a right to be mad. I mean, it wasn't some sort of Creative Commons license. It was his own thing. But, Tom, as you're saying, if I can fix uh, my broken uh, washing machine with a little part, I can look it up online, I know what part I need, and I can print it out with my, I don't know, my MakerBot at home, Am I, should I be allowed to do that? I mean, do I have to pay the company that originally manufactured the part where I'm getting, you know, the CAD drying sheets from? I don't know. I mean, this is like and we're it's, opening it's not a even whole just new a, industry. It's not even just a copyright issue. It's a patent issue. Yes. Right? So if I reverse engineer it, I, I don't even download a CAD file. I just decide, okay, you know what? I know what it looks like. I'm going to go in on my computer. I'm going to create something that fits. I'm going to print it out. I may have violated a patent because not just sale, but use of devices without permission violates patent law. Well, now, so uh, Thingiverse is just one of several sites, at, le at least, that people are starting to share and, you know, kind of a community of 3D enthusiasts and, and makers. Are those sites the, 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 the people who have to be worried because they're the ones who are hosting this information because it's like, hey, if I can print out that uh, washing machine part, well, where did I get it from? Who's hosting it? Are those the folks that are going to uh, be in legal hot water? I believe Thingiverse actually put in some DMCA language in their actual terms of service somewhere because in reaction to this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So they probably have something to fear. Uh, the weird thing is I'm not sure how well patents and copyright really hold on to this just yet. I mean, like when the whole printing press happened, copyrights came up then. I mean, because it was such a unique thing. And the other thing I'm really thinking about, just because we can print anything doesn't mean it's going to work just as well. Like, if yeah. you think about it, like, you have a genuine piece from, like, I don't know, GE. Here's a genuine replacement part or Toyota, something like that. Right. Like, well, maybe I don't want to put that in my car. Or maybe it's just way cheaper. I mean, like, you can have your own color prints right now, but it's still cheaper to go get it in the store. So, I mean, while you'll be able to make this, you might be like, well, do I pay for the genuine GE CAD drawings that I licensed? Or am I getting something off of Joe's server? 
So I'm thinking that's probably going to be something. But if it's material-based, I mean, think about uh, most of the things inside a Home Depot. Maybe not most of them, but some of the things inside a Home Depot. If you've got the material, mm -hmm. you know how it was made, and you can print it yourself more cheaply, are, are uh, companies like that in trouble and in 10 years? Is it going to be more cheaply? Is it going to be more cheap? I don't know if that's going to be the you mean case. Cheaper? Yeah, or cheaper. <laughs> yes, thank you. For the health therapy, yeah. Or is it going to be cheaper to make your own? I, I really don't think so. Some cases it may, in some cases it won't because of economies of scale. I, I get what you're saying. And also scarcity, right? Like I think Jay Leno actually does this right now. He prints parts for his cars because you can't get them. So that's an interesting uh, a use of this. If something is completely, you know, deprecated and you don't, you just can't find it anymore. Print them out. But mm -hmm. if somebody's like, you know, current dishwasher, well, maybe you have to pay a license fee. Right. All right, let's uh, finish up uh, with some good news and bad news from the Fukushima reactor. Uh, good news is that they have plugged uh, one of the leaks. Uh, they have found a leak and they have plugged it of, of the radioactive water that was leaking out into the ocean. They injected 400 gallons of sodium silicate and another agent uh, to plug that leak. Officials have said the crack was in a maintenance pit. Uh, was plugged early on Wednesday. It was the only leak that they found. They have not ruled out that radioactive water might not be leaking into the sea from another point, but they said right now, just because the leak has stopped, uh, we're not relieved yet. We're checking whether the leak has completely stopped or whether there may be other leaks. Currently, it seems that uh, highly radioactive pools of water on site were making their way through uh, this, this one pit. Uh, so they're hoping that they've patched that up, but very... Very carefully, not saying that it's all done. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, things things are going to last. Th things in, in Fukushima are going to be bad for a while. I have a feeling, but they keep progressing. They keep getting a little better all the time. Let's move on to the news fuse. Cisco has been slow to make decisions and been surprised where it should not. I'm not being harsh. These are John Chambers' words. They're excerpts from a memo sent by the CEO to Cisco employers. Chambers went on to say that the company needs, needs to refocus, especially in five areas that seem to target recent acquisitions like flip cameras and Linksys. Uh, Cisco stock went up after the memo was leaked. All right. Well, he's saying the right thing anyway. Madman is off the air until 2012. Although, if you're mm. following the story, Matt Weiner did get his way. He doesn't have to cut several minutes out of the show for extra advertising. He doesn't have to cut um, any actor's job. So that's awesome. good news. Also, more good news, you'll be able to watch Don Draper and the gang online because Netflix has secured exclusive streaming rights for all seasons of Mad Men. Those are past seasons and seasons that haven't even been shot yet. Variety is reporting that Netflix will be paying around $1 million per episode. The first four seasons will be available starting July 27th. You can get all caught up before it actually comes back. Yeah. Google announced that Chrome is getting a new safety feature, protection from malicious downloads. If you download an EXE file and Google thinks it's a no-good nick, then you'll see a warning and can cancel the download. The new feature will be in the dev version of Chrome and should be integrated into the next Chrome release. The Electronic Frontier Foundation has discovered that there are more than 37,000 legitimate certificates issued by certificate authorities for unqualified names such as local host or exchange. Now, this practice could simplify some forms of man-in-the-middle attacks. If an attacker got a name like mail or webmail with an SSL certificate, they could perfectly forge the identity of your organization's webmail server. Not a good thing. The next time someone tells you that all hackers are bad, bad people, you'll be able to point to a new article approved by the Vatican. 
Yes, and I'm not even kidding. Father Antonio Spadaro views hackers as a form of participation in the work of God in creation. Spadaro also made a point to distinguish hackers from crackers, saying, hackers build things, crackers break them. You can find Way the article go, at Civilta Católica magazine. Yeah, we're not, we, we just... We just, uh, we speak the truth. And cue the choirs. For the folks who <laughs> use both an iOS device and Outlook on a Mac, all three of you, you will be excited to hear that Microsoft is releasing a service pack that will allow you to sync your calendars, notes, and tasks. <laughs> calendars and tasks will also be able to, to be synced to MobileMe, but not the calendar. Okay. Eight-core processors aren't cool. You know what's cool? No. A billion ten dollars. Core. Processors. Ten. Oh, 10 Intel core, announced yeah, yeah. some new Xeon processors with 10 cores. The E-series Xeon processors are destined for mission-critical applications, so don't expect them in your next machine. But these processors will also have new power management tech, so it'll provide a bit of energy savings, too. Good for the server, folks. Around 90% of private and corporate Internet users in Armenia were without Internet access for about 12 hours. Why, you ask? Was it, was it a government oppressing the people? No, no, it wasn't. A uh, 75-year-old Georgian woman, Georgia as in the country, not the state, claims to have accidentally cut a fiber optic cable that resulted in the outage, which, by the way, took out some connectivity in Georgia as well, not just Armenia. But now she's facing three years of jail time. She oh. says it was an accident. Armenia says, we don't think so. She's 75. Was she clipping her hedges? Apparently, she just came across a cable and accidentally broke it. Yeah, while looking she's for a copper. cable cutter. While looking for <laughs> copper, and she's 75, so three years could be a life she's term. She's just trying to cut the cord <laughs> in Georgia and Armenia. Now, this last story, I don't know whether to believe, but it comes from Orange News in the UK, uh, and apparently a Buckinghamshire computer software company is looking to recruit female web coders who are prepared to work naked at Nude House. Or staff work uh, as nature intended in a warm and private naturist office environment. So this is like different from, remember that movie New Jack City when they were making drugs and everyone had to be naked because they were afraid that you were going to steal right. drugs uh -huh. and sell uh -huh. them on the side. So yeah. this doesn't really apply to coding because, you know, you don't really hide code anywhere physically. Uh, it's more of just a, just a nudist colony who happens to be programming. I, is that what's going on here? I don't know. Maybe it's some desperate naturists. people. They who prefer are like, the term nature. Oh, I'm sorry. Naturists. Very desperate. Like, hmm, how do we get to see girls naked? Well, we'll say they're coders. Before the show, we were talking about um, uh, spreading germs because we all use a lot of the oh. same equipment. No, no, no. I'm just saying it, it needs to be said. You don't wear clothes. There's another level of concern yeah. that I would have. Yes. I don't know. I mean, you could make the argument that clothes harbor germs much more than skin. Well, you could. Don't they offer a layer of buffering too, though, Tom? Yeah, but the, but but ba bacteria can live inside of clothing until you wash it. This better not be your push for a naked TNT. Tom, we're not going to do. We're not <laughs> going to be saying, at the new the at show. the new you know place. The new, new Twitch studio, the brick house, all right. nude all the time. Yes. I hope we all wear it'll, clothes. It'll just be the TNT part uh, of the set. Everyone I, else will be clothed. I thought it was I called think, the new Twit brick house. It's the nude. nude. Twit brick house. Exactly. I missed that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a moment and thank our other sponsor for today's show, FreshBooks. 
for their support of TNT. If you do any kind of invoicing, you know you want it to look professional. You want it to be easy to send out the invoices because invoicing is no fun. Uh, and you want to be able to collect your money. FreshBooks allows you to do all three of those in the easiest way possible. Uh, you create professional-looking invoices. You upload your logo. You tell them all your information. They make it as a PDF. Clients can pay you via PayPal or credit card. They have 11 electronic payment services, and they send automated late payment reminders. They're the heavy for you. So they do the collection. They do the tracking. They do the, uh, the invoicing. If you're doing any kind of freelancing, any kind of contracting, any kind of small business, you want to take a look at FreshBooks. Try it out for free today. You can put in up to three clients, uh, and setting up an account is a piece of cake. I did it in like less than five minutes. Uh, it, it, you just put in the name of the client, the information, and then boom, you've got an invoice. And every day, FreshBooks is giving away a birthday cake to one of you, and it doesn't have to be your birthday to win. So just tell them that you heard about FreshBooks on TNT and cake. Yum. Not a lie. Yum. Serious. Try it out. FreshBooks.com. On to the calendar. Samsung has confirmed the Wi-Fi only Galaxy Tab is coming April 10th, and it'll be $350. Uh, they've also announced a cheapest pair of active shutter 3D glasses. It'll cost, they'll cost $50. They were previously at $130 on May 1st. Additionally, all of the 3D-capable 2011 HGTVs will come with two pairs of the glasses packed in. So that's cool for 3D lovers. Toshiba is expected to launch uh, glasses-free 3D notebooks in the second half of this year, say sources. So 3D, you know, it's still, still hot for some. Uh, ISIS NFC payment system is getting its first market in Salt Lake City, Utah, launching no. in 2012. Salt Scott Lake Johnson gets everything first. I know. Salt Lake City. Gosh, can't they just give you know Silicon Valley a chance for once? That's crazy. Utah. I know. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange's appeal against extradition from the UK to Sweden on sexual assault allegations is to begin on July 12th. And Apple Insider is reporting that Apple has ordered... 12, count them, 12 petabytes of storage equipment from Isilon Systems. Let's speculate. Shall we? Cloud-based Cloud systems coming? Perhaps? Lala refresh? What do you need 12 petabytes for? Ping. <laughs> <laughs> for all one, for what, 12 users? Yeah. One petabyte for each of you. Ping me. All right, let's move on to the voicemail. 260-TNT-SHOW is the number, and uh, we have a voicemail about tethering with T-Mobile. Yes, I was listening to show 202 about the AT&T monitoring the usage of their customers for data and tethering. Well, I just want to inform you that T-Mobile doesn't do that. I have been tethering my laptop as I drive across the country as a truck driver, and I'm able to use three and four gigabytes each month without having any worries of any additional charge. Just want to let you know that. Have a good show. Bye. Yeah, okay. That's a very good point. Very good to know. Hope that lasts if AT&T buys T-Mobile. Right. That, if that merger gets approved. Yeah. yeah so enjoy it while you can. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that AT&T would be like, well, For this we're side. not going to offer anything of the kind. But T-Mobile, Oh, I don't find that hard to believe at all. Oh, they're just not paying attention? Yeah. AT&T? No. All right. Let's move on to email. TNT at twit.tv is the email address. And Tom Schmidt, New Hope, Minnesota, writes in and says, in all this discussion over dropped calls, I rarely hear one of the biggest reasons mentioned uh, that CDMA technology is less prone to dropped calls than GSM. 
Using iPhone 4 as a brief example, the CDMA version has a more robust dual antenna design with the consistency you mentioned, call drops between Verizon and AT&T on episode 214. I'm guessing the same is true of CDMA and GSM versions of most phones. Also, in reading a few CDMA versus GSM articles, I saw it stated that CDMA is usually better at handing off between towers. Now, I don't know about the antenna design that you're claiming, Tom. I have seen that uh, CDMA is described as doing what's called a soft handoff, where they can keep connection to two towers at the same time, thus allowing you to make sure you've got a good connection on one tower before they hand it off. GSM does a hard handoff, which is you leave one tower, you go to the next, and if something happens, you're, that's, that's why your call drops. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, I'd be, I'd be interested if anybody out there in the, uh, in the industry uh, can explain this and, and verify it for us, uh, because we are getting rid of CDMA. Everything is moving on to LTE or WiMAX. Uh, we're, you know, in the next two, three years, we're not going to have any CDMA phones anymore. And are we going to be experiencing more dropped calls because of that hard handoff? I don't know. Also, Ryan pointed us pointed us out uh, a weird FaceTime bug over at the Apple discussion board, and here's what it says: FaceTime shows random old pictures when initiating a call. My boyfriend and I have both recently experienced this problem several times. When one of us is calling the other via FaceTime, an old picture freezes on our screen while the person receiving the call only sees a black screen. It's kind of creepy because it brought up photos of both of us at work where I have used FaceTime a few times, but he never has. We're just wondering how, why this is happening and if there's a fix. It's not terribly inconvenient, but it's definitely unsettling. Where, where, it's, where it seems that even if we haven't taken a picture or used FaceTime, the camera is keeping images. If anyone else is experiencing this, we'd love feedback. Now, on this actual thread, there's about five or six people saying that they've experienced this too. They're claiming that it's a bug with, I think, iOS 4.3.1 or something. So this is something that if, you, if I initiate a FaceTime call with you, mm -hmm. I might see a weird picture... From my photo. You're not, you're not... Well, no, of, of oh, my photo. Yeah. yeah, because yours just seeing nothing. But it still is creepy. Like, I mean, why is there a picture that I didn't take of myself or from my workplace or something? I don't understand. What it's, a weird bug. It's like a Only five or six people. That's not that many for, for an Apple bug, though, I have to say. Well, it's from, I think, March 22nd. So it's fairly recent. Mm -hmm. This okay. is a, a problem. I mean, if anyone else is having this problem, I mean, I'd like to see this. But I'm, I'm afraid, like, what, what if you find something stupid on your phone? It's like chat roulette. Be careful what you take pictures of on your phone. What you keep on your phone. Right. Yeah. Well, all, unless a picture is being taken without you actually initiating the picture being taken, which is creepier. Uh, or maybe just not that many people are using FaceTime. Mm -hmm. That's possible, too. To That's why it's the, the, the five users. I know I'm not, but I, I know some people do. And those five people have voiced their concerns in the forum. Uh, next email from Sapandi, who says, uh, this is in response to the music conversation that we've been having for the last couple of weeks about cloud-based, your downloads, Amazon's new cloud service. Though I'm sympathetic to your argument that it's your music and you should be able to stream it, I think that you will hurt me. Right now, I think the music labels are pricing their albums with the assumption they'll sell you a copy for your device and another copy to stream elsewhere. If they get forced to sell one copy that can be used everywhere, they're going to include that in the price of the original sale. And you know what's going to happen? Morons like me who buy a copy and can afford only one device are going to subsidize all you rich streaming guys with 100 devices. Pay your own bills. And that argument applies to unlimited data on your wireless and wired networks. Yeah, I, I, I get that, which is if we don't buy multiple copies, uh, then they're going to have to raise the price of right. the individual copies, which makes it more expensive. They might just do this anyway. Like, hey, let's just raise the prices. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, they, they do. Ten. It's not like CD prices ever really came down 
much Yeah. over time. All right, that's it for this edition of uh, Tech News Today. A big happy birthday to our moderator, our chief moderator in the chat room, Dan. Happy birthday, Dan. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Dan. Dan. And thanks to everybody for watching. You can find us on the web at twit.tv slash TNT. You can email us, TNT at twit.tv, or give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW. And uh, thanks, Dan, for keeping the chat room civil and easy to use. We'll see you tomorrow. Get better, Tom.